0: Good morning and welcome to Rollins Around Town. I'm Sam Stark, the host of the show, and I serve as the Vice President of Communications and External Relations here at Rollins College. My role allows me to engage in the Central Florida community on many levels, and it is my responsibility to help connect the dots between the college and the community at large. The dots I refer to are opportunities for college stakeholders, faculty, staff, and students to have access to leaders and professionals in our region. This helps Rollins deliver on our mission while also uplifting the brand of the college throughout Central Florida. Rollins around town highlights the connections between Rollins and the Central Florida community, introduces the college to important community leaders and shares the impact Rollins has throughout town. Guests come from outside of the college as well as feature our very own faculty, staff and students. The goal of the show and these interviews is to show the role, the important role Rollins plays in town and how important the college is to our region. So thank you for joining us this morning, and it is my pleasure to welcome Benjamin Mack Jackson, a member of the Class of 2024 here at Rollins and the founder of a nonprofit organization called World War II Veterans History Project. Welcome to the show, Ben, and thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me. So we'll talk about the amazing work of your nonprofit in a bit, but let's first get to know you. Tell us where you're from and and, and where you grew up, Ben.
1: Uh, I was uh, born in uh, on Long Island, New York, originally, um, and I moved here to uh, to Central Florida to Claremont um, around when I was 12 years old or so, and um, that's my beginnings.
0: So w- why did you choose Rollins?
1: Well, Rollins uh, stood out to me from the start on my search for. Uh, colleges, because of the the small student to faculty ratio, uh, I thrive in an environment that's very personal uh, and, and connects the students with the faculty. So, in my search for colleges, Rollins became um, a clear front runner early on.
0: Very nice. how How is how is it going to college in your sort of your quote hometown?
1: It's it's very nice. Um, I'm close to family. Uh, I can continue working on my extracurricular activities uh, that are based here in in the local area. And um, of course, the, the beautiful weather of Florida uh, <laughs> helps as well.
0: Indeed, never hurts. So you had your senior year of high school and now your freshman year of college, sort of COVID. How, how has life been for a student during this sort of the COVID era?
1: Well, um, as a student, I've had to adapt and overcome as all of my fellow students have. Uh, it's been difficult. And uh, I won't say it hasn't, um, but it's, it's definitely been a, a, a great experience to uh, to adapt to these changing times and uh, I think that it's important to recognize that as the future moves um, forward we also have to uh, adapt to the changes.
0: Yeah well, it's incredibly tough for for, 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 for for students especially high school and college. I mean it is for all of us but um, uh, hopefully soon it'll get back to whatever normal you know is will be defined Indeed. at some <laughs> other day soon. So tell us about life here what, what what classes are you taking, or what's been sort of your favorite class so far you know now that you're uh, deep into your second semester <laughs> as a college student?
1: Well, uh, I'm planning to major in international relations uh, I, have, I obviously have a, a very large passion for history and global affairs, and uh, I feel that that's the best major suited for me. Um, among my favorite classes, I'd say is is my foreign language I'm taking, which is German. Um, I, I've always wanted to learn that, haven't had the opportunity in high school, and um, now that I'm here, it's it's become a, an excellent opportunity to uh, to learn the language. The professor's fantastic, uh, and all the students are great to work with as well.
0: That's that's great. Do you have a have you found a favorite spot on campus that you like, just sort of to hang or hang out and you know get away from it all?
1: Well, uh, down by the pool um, is a nice area. Um, I've, I walk down there every once in a while, uh, but the whole campus is just absolutely breathtaking. And uh, it's something that I think sets Rollins apart from other campuses here in Florida and around the country.
0: Yeah, for, for sure. Do you, do you feel like Rollins is delivering on the mission of educating students for global citizenship and responsible
1: leadership? Above and beyond. Uh, I, I think that Rollins is preparing me for a future as a global leader, and its um, its mission statement. I, I've seen it in in action and in effect numerous times, despite the challenges. Yeah. Um, all the faculty and staff have been um, ha- have done their their utmost to ensure that that I and all of my fellow students um, continue to thrive, um, despite the, the COVID nineteen pandemic.
0: Yeah, that's good. Um, how's the food on campus?
1: I haven't had the chance to do too much <laughs> food, to be honest, uh, on campus uh, okay. because uh, it's just been a little, little busy lately with, with everything going on. Um, <laughs> but from what I have um, experienced, it's been fantastic.
0: Well, any, any extracurricular activities you've been involved with? I mean, I know you have your, you know, your project, which we'll get to here in a second. But uh, anything, you know, co-curricular or uh, anything sort of hosted by the college that you've been involved with.
1: Not yet. Um, I'm working on getting through my first year, essentially uh, focusing on my ac- academics, um, and then, of course, I, I plan to um, get involved with a little more on-campus activities. Um, once I get the hang of things in the first year, I, I'm looking to uh, be a peer mentor nice. uh, next semester, and um, always looking for ways to help my 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 fellow students and and also uh, share my my views with the with the, with the college and and everyone on campus.
0: I love it. Very nice. So. Let's get right into this. This is so fascinating. Um, tell us about the nonprofit that you started, the World War II Veterans History Project.
1: Well, I've always had a passion for history. Uh, since for, for as long as I can remember, I've been a history buff, and I've been interested in studying the past. Uh, when I was in fifth grade, there was only two pages about World War II in my American history textbook, two pages. So It covered Pearl Harbor from the Surrender of Japan uh, in one spread. And I just knew in my heart that there had to be more. Uh, And so I went to the library, and I got books and and documentaries, and I just learned from there. And that went on for several years. And when I turned 13, it kind of hit me one day, as I was watching this documentary, that I could talk to those who were there in World War II. And instead of reading their stories uh, secondhand in in books or or documentaries, I, I could talk to these heroes firsthand, ask the questions that I had. And that's when I began my first interview. I was 13 years old. Uh, the first veteran I interviewed was 92. And it just started off as a, a personal project, really, just to gather these stories. And, of course, now it's turned into uh, a nonprofit organization uh, that's, that's helping to inspire and educate my generation and generations to come about the service and sacrifice of our World War II veterans.
0: Remarkable. Um, wh- while people are listening to this, can what's your website?
1: Yeah, well, our website is ww2veteranshistoryproject.com. Um we have interviews posted on there, information about um, our archival collections and um, so much more.
0: Fantastic. So you sort of answered it like the moment, you know, that you wanted or needed to start this your your parents, your family, I mean, did was there any family influence here or did this just sort of happen organically with just you sitting in class one day?
1: You know, it as far as my interest in World War II began, uh, it was really organic. Um, and of course, once I, I shared this with my parents, they were incredibly supportive and I, I couldn't have done um, half of what I've done w- without their support and help. But this interest really just grew from my own observations. And um, my, of course, my parents had to take me to the first m- many interviews because I, I was 13, couldn't drive, couldn't do any <laughs> of, do any of that. Um, and despite now that I have a driver's license and, and I'm in college, um, they still love coming with me to hear these stories now. It's really become a part of our family to, to uh, help preserve the memories of, of World War II veterans for generations to come.
0: Uh, so how many interviews have you done?
1: I've done more than 100 over the past five years. And how do you find these veterans and
0: uh, sort of what's the connection point and, and the introductory point?
1: When I first began the project, it was quite difficult to find these veterans uh, starting off. I I knew of one that was at a local museum. I went to him first. Uh, He gave me the contact for a friend of his who was a World War II veteran. And then it snowballed from there. I I got a couple um, media appearances and and looking for World War II veterans, things like that. Um, And at one time, I believe it was in 2016 or so, uh, right when I was first getting started, I had a list of like 75 World War II veterans waiting to be interviewed. Um, and I was getting to them as quickly as I could, and of course it's it's quite difficult. I mean, the youngest veteran I interviewed uh, for the whole project was, I believe, 91, and the oldest was 105. Oh my goodness! So these these men and, and women are um, th- this is our centennial generation, and uh, it, it's important that their stories are preserved before they're lost forever. And, and I've uh, been lucky to talk to so many of them.
0: Uh, remarkable. Talk talk about the generation, you know, just in general. You you've obviously been able to talk to over 100. 100- People of the greatest generation, and uh, you're part of a generation. I'm part of a generation. Like, what's what, what? What do you see that's so fundamentally different and spectacular? Frankly, but with this generation.
1: Well, it, there's 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 a lot. Uh, I mean, the greatest generation. Uh, they did something that was was really unheard of. I mean, I and mean, they all pitched in. Um, to, for, for the common cause of victory during World War II. This was every man, woman, and child um, in the 1940s was, was striving towards that ultimate victory over Nazi Germany, fascist Italy, uh, and imperial Japan. And so when I'm talking to these men and women, there's a lot of lessons that I, can, that I take away as a young person, um, whether that's strength, whether that's respect, um, whether that's, that's learning their, about their bravery and their heroism, uh, and even death. I mean, mm. like I said, these, these men and women are between 90 and, and 105 years old, and I've um, attended more funerals than I, I, I care to, mm. to mention from these veterans that I've, I've gotten to right. know oftentimes quite closely over the years. And these interviews are often their last video or their, the last photographs that I take of them. Um, and they become not just important for me, for my work to preserve their stories, but for their families as well. Um, the last portraits, the last videos of these these heroes. That's amazing.
0: When you have these relationships, is it all sort of telephone-based? Um, I mean, you know, that probably not a generation that's as technically, um, you know, involved as, as others. You'd be surprised. Yeah, um, good.
1: But I, most of the relationships I, I've met, I mean, I, I do all my interviews in person. Of course, COVID-19 has changed that um, over the past year or so. I have not done any in-person interviews because I just feel that it's it's... Uh, irresponsible to um, expose these people to um, COVID as a, a younger person. I, I I feel it's my duty to pro- protect them essentially, really, and and not uh, expose them to that. Uh, but yeah, all of my interviews in the past have been in-person video interviews, um, which is which is the best type, in my opinion. You can get to know them really well and and ask great questions and things like that. But I've stayed in touch v- via phone. I've stayed in touch. Um, I go and visit some of them every so often, uh, at least I did. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's the, the relationships have been uh, bountiful and and in many different uh, forms. yeah, uh, but as far as technology is concerned, um I know of many World War II veterans who are active on social media every day. I could send them it. a message right now and they'd answer. <laughs> I um, and so it's I think it's a common misconception. I mean, yes, there's some of them who don't even have a, a cell phone or a computer, but there's many of them who are are, more technologically savvy than, than people who are far younger than them.
0: I love it. Probably me. Uh, <laughs> so where where has the work of, of this project and, and your organization taken you? I mean, literally all over the country and, and the world.
1: Yeah. Uh, I first started off just here in the local area. Um, then I got calls from people who wanted me to interview their dad, their grandfather, their great-grandfather all across the country. I traveled for uh, many years just capturing these stories. Uh, I, I did virtual school full-time in high school, which allowed me to um, work ahead on my on my school and, and, and travel all across the state and the country and eventually the world to capture these stories. Uh, in, in June 2019, I went to Normandy, France, for the 75th anniversary of the D-Day landings. And I went with a World War II veteran who fought there and followed his journey back to the battlefield for the first time since the war. And um, his story is, is part of my um, Documentary that I released. Yeah, uh, talk about last the, November
0: the the documentary, the D Day documentary called Normandy Revisited.
1: Yeah, well, Normandy Revisited is basically the culmination of this, the five years of of work that I've done, um, and, and I've, I've many of these stories of these hundred World War II veterans were involved in D Day or the Normandy landings in some aspect. Uh, it was one of the largest operations of the war, so to find um, people who were there is is um, easier than other campaigns. Um, I've interviewed D-Day veterans who were both Army, Navy and Army Air Force. Um, They were uh, on the some of them were on the first wave. Some of them came in a few months later um, because there was millions of men that landed in Normandy between uh, June and uh, August of 1944 during that campaign. And so their stories are told in this film. I believe it's 14 D-Day and Battle of Normandy veterans, um, along with battlefield uh, exploration from the Normandy trip. Uh, as well as historic artifacts that really encompass the entire story of the Normandy campaign um, in, in a unique way. That's fantastic that the the trailer alone uh, which
0: you have on your website is um, I mean is emotional and um, the the documentary itself too is just it's spectacular. Well thank you, I appreciate that. Uh, did you create the whole thing? I mean did you shoot and edit and produce the the, the whole video? I did a documentary
1: quite quite a lot. Um, I had some help with the editing. I worked with an editor on that, uh, but I shot all the interviews. I, I shot all the footage in Normandy. Um, it, it was quite a lot of work, and it was a, but it was a labor of love uh, because uh, I know that these stories will not be preserved for generations to come. And I, I've gotten a very positive reaction from the release of the film, which was in in November. It's I, I made it available. Um, for free to watch on YouTube. Um, I, I'm a very big believer in that history and, and, and educational content should be freely accessible to all. Um, and that's why I've, despite all of the the uh, fi- financial <laughs> constraints of, of making this film, um, I'm making it available to everyone because it's just important to get these stories out there so that my generation can have a better appreciation and understanding for um, what these heroes went through. Yeah.
0: Do you have any connectivity or alliances with other, you know, nonprofits or other, you know, World War II um, or or veteran type organizations?
1: I've worked with many um, other veterans organizations over the years. Uh, when I was first starting out, the, the Veterans of Foreign Wars, the VFW, uh, the American Legion, the Honor Flight Network. They were instrumental in helping me get started with my work, uh, finding veterans in the local area to to get me started. Um, I went on one of the Honor Flight trips to D.C. with one of the veterans that I interviewed. Uh, If you're not aware, the Honor Flight is a... Uh, an organization that flies World War II, Korea, and Vietnam veterans to Washington, D.C. to see their memorials. Um, and it, it's a really wonderful organization. And uh, I had the privilege of doing that. And, and I believe I'm still on record as the youngest guardian to take a veteran. I was 13 when I did it. Um, <laughs> and I was with a, a 95-year-old World War II vet, which is really, that was really fun uh, to go there with him.
0: That's remarkable. I, I'm sure all the stories, and I mean the, the few that I heard just from your website and the D-Day documentary, you know Normandy revisited. Like, w- what's a story or two
1: that just stands out that you that you heard and that that you can share? Well, I, I think that every story is unique in its own way. Um, that's probably the most common question I get asked. It's like, what's my favorite story and, and what what stands out the most? And it's a very difficult question, right. and, and uh, because all of them are. Totally unique. I could have, I could interview a veteran, two veterans who served in the exact same outfit and get two completely different stories because everyone's perspective of war is entirely different. Um, even if they were in the same place at the same time in the same battle, uh, because everyone sees things and, and hears things in different ways. Um, as far as as stories that are most memorable um I interviewed one veteran when I was first getting started. Um, he was a, a pilot in aircraft in the, in the South Pacific. I forget exactly which plane, um, and he was wounded in action by sh- by shrapnel um, when he was fighting the Japanese and and witnessed kamikazes and the whole the whole thing. Um, his interview was quite short because he, he was he he was um, unfortunately not in the best of health, uh, and. One day, I believe it was one day after my interview, I got a call um, from his his wife that he had passed away. Uh, I believe it was it was either one or two days after the interview, just just like that. Um, and she said that was the last time that he had um, really opened up about his, or the first time he had opened up about his service. Um, and he went to the hospital that evening uh, after the interview and talked about it. Um, on, on his hospital bed, that he was glad that he finally got to share his story, wow. and to me that was one of the most impactful moments. Um, to know that I could be preserving someone's story, and, and they they entrusted me with this this no. this story after not sharing it for so many years. Yeah, that's that's chilling. Indeed.
0: Have how have classes and you know you're you're maybe you're too um, you know not quite far enough along as, as a student, but have any classes yet helped you in any way with this project?
1: Well, uh, I haven't taken any classes that necessarily relate to the war or, or history in general yet. Um, but I have, uh, the classes that I have taken have given me uh, a new look on on certain things, whether that's in, in the world or um, in my life in general. And I think that everything that I've, I've learned so far at Rollins and will continue to learn at Rollins um, will shape my future uh, experiences and. Um, how I could continue to conduct these these interviews and and accomplish the project in the future. I mean, um, next week I'm about to release a a new documentary series. Uh, this is the first time I'm talking about this, but uh, hey, it's, it's breaking called News on <laughs> Rollins around town. Yes, Fantastic. indeed, it, it's called World War II as they saw it. And so every month for the for. As long as I, I, I can do it, uh, I'm going to be re- releasing a new documentary every every month on my YouTube channel, which highlights the story of a, a particular World War II veteran. And I've been working on this project for quite some time now to get these um, get a system down and, and, and create these these these. Um, this, this interview series, really. And uh, so we're, re- we're releasing the first episode um, next week, and uh, we're probably going to do two in February, a special one at the end for Black History Month with the Tuskegee Airmen. Uh, wow. So all of those will be posted on uh, my YouTube channel, which is World War II Veterans History Project, and uh, just new stories and, and uh, a new way to, to share history with um, the next generation. That's Spectacular.
0: The interviews are they were they pre-COVID um, or are you kind of a hybrid of yeah. some pre-recorded and some on Zoom?
1: I, I've on my YouTube channel currently. There's probably about thirty or so interviews posted that are from the past, and and all the ones that I will be releasing over the next year, every every month. Those are ones that have been conducted in the past. Um, so I I have. Like I said, over I've done over a hundred, so I have them t- sitting and, and and sitting and waiting essentially f- mm-hmm. to to have something to be done with them, um, and I feel that now is with with the un- the ability not, the inability to conduct more interviews, it, it's important to um, get the stories that I've already captured out uh, before it's it's too late, and and I feel that uh, my generation needs to understand these these stories more than ever now. Yeah. It-
0: what's your impact? In other words, how have you been able to measure success?
1: Well, as part of my project, I speak to students at schools. Um, That's another aspect of it. There's there's several aspects that relate to uh, whether it's historical preservation or education. Those are the two main aspects of the nonprofit. Um, And I think that the biggest impact that I've had is being able to uh, reach people who were my age, even younger and, and older. Uh, I've spoken to schools uh, as young as kindergarten. And back when I was in high school, I spoke to colleges as well, uh, sharing these stories. And uh, it's people when I when I first started doing these programs, people would tell me, "Oh, people aren't going to care about the uh, the history. They're not the kids don't today don't care about it. And that was absolutely incorrect. Uh, every I, I've, I have not had one bad um, experience at a school. Every presentation that I've given has been, uh, the students have ha- had such a great reception to it. And I- I've been approached afterwards, oh, my grandfather was in World War II, my great-grandfather was in World War II, I- I'm going to go and explore his story now. And things like that is what makes it most rewarding, is to inspire others to to learn their history. And uh, yeah, that that's, to me, the most rewarding aspect of this, is is to be able to uh, influence my generation and generations to come. That's
0: that's great. Any misconceptions from your generation that you've learned along the way that people just totally get wrong? You know, didn't know or you know assumed totally incorrectly about something about World War II. Uh,
1: well, there's there's quite a few, I'm sure. Um, and I think the biggest reason for these misconceptions, I'm, I'm not, I, I I don't can't recall too many misconceptions that I've experienced off firsthand. But I think that the the, the reason for these misconceptions is that in in high school and, and in middle school, as I've experienced firsthand, history isn't taught the right way. Um, and that's one of the, the big things that I'm working on is is changing the curriculum or uh, expanding on the curriculum of, of high school and middle school and, and even younger. Because like I said, I was in fifth grade, which was American history, U.S. history that year. There was two pages about World War II in my textbook, mm-hmm. just two pages. I mean, that's not... It's, it's the the largest conflict known to man, uh, two pages. It can't can't cover it. And so when I do my presentations to schools, these are done in an interactive and uh, often exciting way to get students interested in it um, without having the same words or the same pictures that have been in history textbooks since the 1970s. I mean, this is the same content that they've been pushing through for decades. And our generation um, doesn't have that... um, they're not going to learn from that sort of curriculum. And I think it's important to teach it in a different way, whether that be historic artifacts through um, interactive museum exhibitions, which I also work on um, doing uh, documentaries that are both educational and um, they're exciting in a way. So they can can share these stories um, without being boring. Uh, and, and to yeah. me, I mean, I'd, I'd watch hours and hours of uncut raw interviews just because I enjoy it. But the average student nowadays isn't, right. uh, so you have to adapt to the changing times and, uh, the changing generations. And, yeah. uh, that's exactly what I'm working to do.
0: do. Do you have, or do you recommend a favorite, you know, World War II movie or, or book or, or some other, you know, piece of information
1: that has been valuable and resourceful for you? Uh, as far as, uh, movies are concerned, um, there's a lot of great World War II films out there. Some of the most impactful ones for me, I mean, Saving Private Ryan um, was was great. Before the Normandy, my trip to Normandy, um, they were having, I believe it was like the 25th anniversary of Saving Private Ryan coming out in the theaters, and they brought it back to the theaters. So I think it was two days before I left to my trip to Normandy, I watched Saving Private Ryan in the theater. Um, and so that was incredibly huh. uh, impactful. I've seen it numerous times before that, of course, but to see it right before I left was just... Uh, really, really impressive. Um, so yeah, but for me, when I was first starting off learning history, I, I told you I, I watched a lot of documentaries. Uh, there's one series that really stuck with me and has stuck with me. Uh, it's called World War II in HD Color. Um, there was a similar one that came out uh, on Netflix later this this year. Um, I personally don't recommend that one. Um, but this <laughs> one came out, I believe, 2008 or so, 2009. Um, and it's just a, a very... Um, Calming, I'd say, approach to it. I mean, it, it's it's the great narration, um, great footage, uh, and it just tells the story of World War II as it is. There's no uh, hype. There's no um, there's no Hollywood, I'd say, to it. Right. Uh, and so that's if if anyone's looking to really get a start, that's what I'd recommend: World War II in HD color. I believe two
0: thousand eight, two thousand nine. Love it. Thank you. <laughs> so, talk a little bit about the business side. I mean, there is a business side to a nonprofit and to your entity. How how do you how are you doing it? How are you learning? How are you fundraising? Um, what's the sort of the, the, the size and scope of the nonprofit from a business standpoint?
1: Yeah, well, the nonprofit, um, I started the project in 2015. I believe we became a nonprofit in late 2016, early 2017. Um, and all of our efforts are, are, are possible because of donations. I, I've received support um, in the form of individual donations or, or uh, corporate donations. Um, and that's, that's, exactly how we get the the mission accomplished. Uh, it's entirely donation based. And, uh, that's the most important aspect of it during the pandemic. That's been tough, um, to continue to raise funds. And, um, I've, I'm just so grateful for all the support that I've received so far. Um, and we have no paid employees, um, that's, uh, obviously. Uh, not on, on the table with what we raise for donations, and uh, every last cent of the, the money that we raise goes into preserving the stories, whether traveling to capture them or creating content to share the stories, whether that be new documentaries, um, just different uh, website um, updates, and 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 and. Uh, exhibitions that are online, uh, just to continue to, to preserve and, and share with, what we, with the funds that we receive.
0: Um, that had to have been, you know, has been another
1: learning part for you, part of the learning experience, Definitely. right? Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: nonprofits just a tax status. It's not a, a philosophy. Yes. So mm-hmm. how, have you, how are you doing in running a, a business?
1: Yes, well, I, I've had help uh, from my parents, of course, in, in all of this. And I've received um, a lot of help from the community, actually. Um, when I was first getting started, like I said, I was, I was very young um, and I had people who donated their services to create the nonprofit in the first place, um, all the legal stuff, uh, which is was, which was very nice to, to see people reaching out and helping like that. Um, and since then, running a nonprofit isn't as difficult as, as people assume as far as the, uh, the business side of it goes. But there's a lot that goes into the fundraising aspect. And I've taken care of, of most, if not all of that, um, re- approaching local businesses, um, soliciting donations um, at events that I go to. Um, And, of course, with COVID, those in-person events are are impossible. So it's been a little difficult lately with that. Um, But, yeah, it's definitely been a learning experience for me. Um, And I think it will serve as a a valuable experience for future endeavors. Uh, but I, I plan to continue this this project for um, as long as I can. I, I mean, when I was doing this in high school, people would ask me, "Oh, are you going to stop this after when you go to college and things like that?" Um, and I said, "Absolutely not." And I, and I will not. I, I mean, I'm I'm happy to balance it all uh, because I believe that the work of the nonprofit is is truly critical for um, the the sur- the survival of our of our country, really, and uh, the the. the Teaching of history, I, I think, is just is critical for uh, the understanding of our past and, and to ensure a better future. Yeah. Uh, if we don't learn from our past, we're we're doomed to repeat it.
0: Well, you, you you sort of went down the road of of my next question is what's next for the nonprofit and and is this is this a career path or 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 a lifelong project in addition to a you know, a a full-time career somewhere either aligned or not aligned with this.
1: If I could make it a full-time career and sustain myself, (laughs) I would certainly do that. Um, But I do plan to continue no matter what my career takes me. Um, Obviously, in a few years, we will will not have any World War II veterans left Mm, um, because they are dying quite rapidly. I mean, we're losing, I believe, 350 every day. Um, And there's only probably about 290,000 left in the whole country. So uh, that population is rapidly declining, and so once they're gone, the mission will be to preserve their stories in other ways, whether that's historic artifacts, um, talking to family members, and second secondhand accounts through, through through the families, and just continuing to share the stories that I've captured. Because as long as as long as, I, I I could never crank out uh, new interviews. Um, posting new interviews as fast as I'm, I'm getting them. i have mean, I, running lists of, of people that I can interview in the future, and I have uh, lots of interviews that have already been filmed that are waiting to be published. Right. Uh, so new documentaries are definitely in the works. Like I said, I'm releasing a new series this week, um, uh, museum exhibitions. Uh, I've been fortunate to, to collect a, a large um, archive of military memorabilia from veterans that I've interviewed. They've donated their uniforms, their medals, their uh, medals, and all sorts of other artifacts, and I, I have an exhibition that I bring to schools when I, when I speak, and, and different events, and that also helps with a um, learning history firsthand. So in the future, um, documentary films, museum exhibitions, um, and of course capturing new stories, whether that be directly from the veterans themselves or family once they're gone.
0: That's That's just so uh, powerful and impressive. T- tell us again, where, where can we find information on the nonprofit? And frankly, where, where can people contribute and donate and support your efforts?
1: Uh, well, you can learn more about the nonprofit at our website, www.veteranshistoryproject.com. Um, I, I, all the interviews are, are on the website. Uh, you can also follow us on sh- social media. Um, we have Facebook and Instagram are the most active. Um, and Facebook, I, I post um, at least several times every week, I, I attempt to uh, share news stories um, from the project and uh, continue to preserve those, those memories. Um, donations, uh, there's a page on our website um, where contributions can be made, whether that's PayPal or, or GoFundMe or, or many other ways. Um, any support is greatly appreciated and uh, will go a long way to help uh, the mission to capture and, and, and preserve these stories. Yeah, that's
0: just so that's so powerful. Yeah. So I ask all of our Rollins guests, um, if you were president of Rollins for a day, what what would you do? Would you do anything uh,
1: that, different, that special? A, that is a great question. <laughs> um, I've had the opportunity to speak with President Cornwell a, a couple times, and uh, I think he's doing a great job with with everything that's uh, going on, on on campus, especially. Um, and I would, if I were Rollins president, um, <laughs> I, I feel that I would. Um, work more with the historical aspect of the campus. Um, I, I think that Rollins has such a, a rich history here, um, whether that be from when the college was founded um, or in World War II. Uh, and I would love to see more of a uh, historical approach to to learning about um, our surroundings yeah. and uh, getting students more involved in, in preserving the history of the campus. Uh, from as a, as a historian and, and someone who loves uh, learning about the past, that would probably be my number one priority. I love it. That's
0: <laughs> impressive. So, uh, actually, a real legitimate answer. Everyone else who we've had, it said they'd do another Fox Day. So uh, <laughs> I applaud you for a little depth to your to your answer. Is there anything I didn't ask, or anything you else you
1: want to share about you know the, your efforts or what's coming up for for you? Uh, well, there's one project I, I failed to mention. Um, I. I have a lot of stuff going on. Of course, I work on a lot of different things. Um, I love multitasking. Uh, In April of last year, um, the nonprofit acquired one of the last surviving uh, Higgins boats in the the world. Uh, There's only 19 known original Higgins boats that are still surviving And a Higgins boat. Um, LCVP, landing craft vehicle personnel, was one of the the landing craft that famously took troops ashore during the D-Day landings and in every other major campaign across Europe and in the Pacific. Um, And so April of last year uh, of 2020, I acquired um, one of those last surviving Higgins boats, Um, brought it from Texas to Florida, um, and now it, it awaits restoration so that's one of our our bigger projects on, on the agenda right now is to preserve that extremely rare um, historic vessel and um, allow it to be an educational tool for generations to uh, explore because there's only there's 19 surviving examples in the world um, and more than half of those are overseas right. um, of course the condition of my Higgins boat is not um, exactly ideal uh, it's not Um, It it needs a lot of work, Um, but again, it's an original. It's uh, these boats were made of of entirely out of wood, except for the iron or the steel door at the front uh, that opened up to let the troops off. Um, And everything is intact. You have the ramp, you have the the rudder on the the back and the propeller and and all the inner workings, Um, no motor, but everything else is there. (laughs) That's (laughs) amazing. So that'll be a a future project to uh, work on. It'll it'll be several years of restoration work and uh, and, uh, I've spoken with the National World War II Museum and gotten their advice and assistance and uh, looking forward to working with them. Do they have one? You know, the National World War II Museum is is in New Orleans, and in New Orleans is where all these Higgins boats were manufactured. Um, When the National World War II Museum opened, I believe it was in the early 2000s or late 1990s, um, they could not find an original boat for their collections. That's how rare these things are. So instead of, of searching for an original. They built their own um, using the original plans. So they have an, an accurate replica at their thing, but no, not an original. So right. just another, how rare this is, yeah. uh, rare of a find this is to, uh, to come across.
0: And, and speaking of coming across, like how, did you, how did that emerge on your social feed or your web searches? That you there brought was one social for sale?
1: feed, that's, that's, that's the <laughs> answer. Um, and I, I did not purchase it. It was actually donated to the organization. Wonderful. Um, somebody tagged me in a post on Facebook one day and said, "You oh, this might interest you. And the post literally said, free Higgins boat to a good home. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and the picture of the boat there. Um, and I said to myself, um, we're renting a trailer. We're going out to Texas. We're getting this right now. Um, and then I started to do a little bit more research about um, the boat. I mean, it's, it's 36 feet long, 11 feet wide. Um, they called them big little boats because they're small compared to other navy vessels, but they're massive. I mean, it weighs uh, eighteen thousand pounds. Uh, it's a giant, <laughs> giant craft. Um, and so, it this particular boat had been sitting for nearly twenty years on the ground um, behind a barn in, in Texas. So it was not in ideal shape to restore or even move it. Right. So I mustered all of my resources, volunteers, supporters, um, and we were able to uh, get. Team down in Texas of all all volunteers to raise the boat with cranes, um, put it on a a yacht transport truck, and move it from Texas to Florida, um, and unload it here with a crane as well. Um, and it's it's uh, currently sitting awaiting restoration. But it was a it was a huge endeavor uh, to to bring it here. And um, I always say if if I could get it here, I can definitely restore it. <laughs> <laughs> no
0: question. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well. It is such a pleasure to have you on the show to uh, to, to learn more about your amazing efforts, and um, I wish you the best of luck as a Rollins student and in your nonprofit endeavors, and um, there is no doubt you're destined for, for great success, and uh, I appreciate all you're doing to um, to make Rollins a better place. So thank you very much. It's my much. pleasure and
1: uh, happy to be here.
0: Benjamin Jackson, um, Mac Jackson, thank you. Um, just, just super stuff. So I hope people will, will take a moment to, uh, to, to look into a little bit more about his, his documentaries and his, and his projects and efforts and support this important cause. Uh, Rollins students doing great things. Uh, speaking of that, Samantha on our board today. Thank you for operating and helping uh, keep Rollins around town um, on the air. Uh, To keep updated on our show and guests, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Rollins Around Town and subscribe to our podcast, Rollins Around Town on Apple and Spotify. We'll see you here next Wednesday and uh, wish you all a great day in Winter Park.